The following podcast has been paid for by the Drew World Order. Happy New Year and welcome to the Drew World Order of Wrestling Podcasts. This is the least professional wrestling podcast because I'm not a professional broadcaster. I'm not a professional audio editor. I'm not a professional advertiser. Nothing like that. I'm just a lifelong fan who loves professional wrestling and sports entertainment. And so I have a podcast chatting about that. Uh, As you know, I took off the holidays, uh, so I took off a couple of weeks just to kind of recoup, refresh, and uh, just uh, start this new year off with with a a lot to talk about, because uh, typically the holiday shows, uh, not a lot really happens, but uh, we actually do have a good amount to talk about. Um, so we'll review two weeks, the, um, Christmas week and New Year's week of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW. Um, but first we have to get to the Drews and Notes section. I'm afraid I've got some bad news! Biggest story in wrestling the last couple of weeks or week and a half was the passing of Brody Lee, Luke Harper, John Huber, Big Rig, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he had a ton of names. Um, and uh, this happened the day after Christmas. Um, I got a text from my brother pretty late at night. 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, my local time, um, saying that Luke Harper died, and I was like, what? I didn't hear anything about that. So, you know, I checked Twitter, and of course, unfortunately, it was true, and this this is a real tough one. Um, I'm a little bit further removed from it now. I'm recording this January 4th. And uh, happened the 26th, so I've had some time to digest it. Um, but uh, it's, you know, really shocking. He was 41 years old. Um, he left uh, a wife and two kids. And it's just really, really sad. Um, typically when you hear about these wrestlers passing, it's an older wrestler. Uh, more of like a legendary wrestler. Somebody like Dusty Rhodes or Roddy Piper and... Those are pretty um, devastating, but this hit different. And you could tell it hit different for the whole wrestling community. I mean, um, still even to this day, um, right now, like going on social media, you see stuff about Brody Lee and how great of a person he was, what a great husband and family person he was, and a great wrestler. I mean, all around... There has not been one bad thing said about Brody Lee, and a ton of people from a whole bunch of different promotions have 
come out and talked about Brody Lee and who he was, and uh, he's sounded like an incredible guy. I mean, just listening to um, a couple of podcasts that he's been on, I got a sense that he was a really big family man, uh, that he loved hockey, um, and he just, you know, was a pretty, pretty funny individual, uh, he's, uh, sarcastic, he was from Rochester, New York, and being a New Yorker myself, uh, an upstate New Yorker, um, it was always cool to hear him, uh, show so much love for upstate New York, and, um, uh, yeah, we definitely lost a great one. I honestly don't know what else. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to even still talk about it at this point. And, you know, I'm a week and a half removed from what happened. Um, we'll talk about the tribute show that AEW did. Um, WWE didn't really do anything, uh, on their shows in tribute. They did do the, um tribute graphic at the beginning of each show last week um and then they did a couple of stuff on uh, a couple of videos on social media um and it's just heartbreaking hearing all of his colleagues talk about him um whether they're referees or fellow refer uh fellow wrestlers um you know backstage talent um who aren't on air um just Brody Lee had all these, um, uh, um, great reviews about him. Um, the, you know, this, the sad thing is, well, there's a lot of sad things about the whole, whole thing is he was really showing what he could do in AEW. It only been there a few months, you know, he had so much more to give, so much more potential to reach. In my mind, he was obviously going to be AEW World Champion um, in the very soon near future. Um, Apparently, he died of uh, some sort of lung issue. It was not COVID-related. His wife confirmed that. Uh, What he actually died of, what what he had, uh, has not been revealed yet by anybody, and Apparently, like, all of AEW knows, and um, kudos to them for the respect they're giving to Brody and his family um, to not reveal that information um, because, you know, the, out of respect for the family, that's something the family wants to um, reveal in time when they're ready. Um, so, you know, it seemed to be something that uh, uh, lasted much longer than um, anybody knew. Um, I guess he got sick in October. Um, you know, he made it through Christmas and then uh, passed away the day after Christmas, uh, Boxing Day for Canadians. Um, just really sad, you know. It, it seemed like it was out of nowhere. Um, it's, uh, it's really tough. It's a tough thing. He was an active wrestler. Um, I don't really remember when Eddie Guerrero died. Um, This is probably the closest thing um, that I can think of uh, in relation to it when Eddie Guerrero died. But I was younger then, so I didn't really um, 
get the weight of the thing with um, with everything with when Eddie Guerrero passed. Um, plus, I wasn't a huge fan of Eddie Guerrero. I know a lot of people in my generation love Eddie Guerrero. I just wasn't uh, the biggest fan. I love Eddie Guerrero's work, but you know he wasn't one of my. I wouldn't say he was one of my favorites. Um, Chris Benoit, you know that was a little different. I never really liked Chris Benoit. Um, I always thought he was uh, kind of psychotic and looked psychotic. Whether he was doing a really good job playing his character, or maybe as a younger person, I saw something in him that. Other people didn't, and just, you know, the last weekend of his life kind of proved that to me. Um, so I don't have any affinity for Chris Benoit whatsoever. Um, Owen Hart, uh, he was an actor. This might, it might be, Owen Hart, it might be the closest thing. And nobody really has anything bad to say about Owen Hart. I mean, Eddie Guerrero, there's stories about him when he was, you know, and his addiction and the type of person he was. Owen Hart, you don't hear any bad stories about, um, and I feel like Brody Lee is gonna be one of these legendary characters, um, legendary people, legendary wrestlers that are, uh, gonna now go into the pantheon of, um, this legendary status, his, uh, career cut short, life cut short, and, um, he was a great performer. I got to see him multiple times. I got to see him uh, as Luke Harper, a uh, few different times. I saw him in the Royal Rumble. Um, I saw him a part of the Wyatt family. I saw him as a bludgeon brother. Um, he was just really awesome. And the work he was doing with AEW, with Cody and the TNT title, and um, all of that stuff was really, really great. Um, my thoughts and condolences go out to his family and, uh, you know, the, the, the thing about his passing is it's bringing together a lot of the wrestling community, and I hope this, uh, this, this continues, this uh, feeling of uh, being brought together, um, because a lot of the wrestling community, it's AEW versus WWE, and uh, which side are you on, and whatever, or, you know, Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT, which side are you on? And uh, it's divisive, and uh, Brody Lee brought a lot of people together, um, and in his death, he's bringing even more people together. So hopefully as a wrestling community, we can continue to uh, push through together and uh, enjoy our love of wrestling together. Uh, we're going to move on from this somber topic to uh, the, a more positive topic. And uh, we're going to do that in the What Drew Money segment. Rest in peace, Brody Lee. Christmas week of wrestling, Monday Night Raw. A couple of things I made note of. Um, 
I really enjoy the passion in the Miz's promo. He is so good. He goes from being funny to being serious um, and a flip of a switch. And uh, I'm glad they're uh, they're moving with the story of Miz trying to get the Money in the Bank briefcase. Um, and then on the New Year's Raw, since I'm talking about it right now, uh, the New Year's edition of uh, Raw this past week, Miz did get the Money in the Bank briefcase back, which I think this is awesome. Nice little storytelling and writing by WWE. Technically, Miz did not cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase. Morrison did. Um, it was a good way to have McIntyre win at TLC. It doesn't hurt anybody. And Miz gets the briefcase back, and uh, it's now in play for whenever he cashes in. I still have the hope he cashes in on Drew McIntyre, and um, we get uh, uh, Miz versus Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, um, and we get uh, McIntyre versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I know we already saw Roman Reigns at Roman Reigns versus McIntyre at uh, WrestleMania, but that was different. That was. Roman returning from leukemia, his first match back. Um, Feel-good story. This is a completely different thing. Roman versus Drew will be, you know, the face of WWE. The match for who's the face of WWE. Who is the guy? Um, who is the top person? Um, I mean, I've heard stuff about maybe Daniel Bryan faces Roman Reigns. Uh, at WrestleMania, which I would be fine with that, too. Um, so, you know, somewhere it looks like um, Brian's going to be a big-time player this WrestleMania, and so will Drew, and so will Roman. It'll just be, uh, it'll just take time to tell uh, what's actually going to happen. Um, the Alexa Bliss, Randy Orton story has been cool. She returned on the Christmas edition of Monday Night Raw. I was glad to see her back. And then on the New Year's Raw, um, she uh, challenged Randy to come out. Randy actually ended up showing up in the Firefly Funhouse. He destroyed all the characters of the Funhouse. You know, Abby, he kicked Huskus. He threw Mercy into Abby. He ripped the head off a of Rambling Rabbit, so this is like the 87th time that Rambling Rabbit has been killed. Um, uh, and then uh, at the end of... Uh, well, I, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. Uh, at the end of that segment, Alexa Bliss challenged Randy Orton. Like, it seemed like she was challenging him to a match. Well, uh, at the end of this New Year's edition of Raw... Um, Alexa Bliss, she, uh, Alexa Bliss challenged Randy Orton to set her on fire like she did to The Fiend. And Raw ended in a cliffhanger with, uh, Alexa, um, pouring gas all over herself, being in the middle of the ring, and, uh, Randy Orton lighting a match. And then that was it. Uh, Raw went off the air. This is really good episodic storytelling, um, any sort of entertainment show does this that leads to the next show where there's a cliffhanger. Uh, like my girlfriend watches Grey's Anatomy. They do it like 
<laughs> like once every couple of episodes where there's just like a huge cliffhanger. So it brings people back to see what happened the next episode. And uh, that's uh, that's what Raw has done with this uh, Randy Orton, Alexa Bliss, Fiend storyline here with Randy lighting the Fiend on fire at TLC. And then Alexa returning um, to continue this story and um, Alexa wanting to be set on fire and Randy lighting the match to, we don't know, set her on fire, maybe not. I You know, we don't know what happened this week coming on Raw. It's uh, Legends Night, um, so they're going to be bringing back a whole bunch of people. Um, I... Uh, would assume that this storyline is going to be on Raw. Um, kind of excited about this Legends Raw, kind of apprehensive about it, because sometimes when they bring back these Legends, it seems like the show is focused on the Legends and not current storylines. So hopefully uh, Raw, the Legends Raw that will be on uh, well, tonight, um, will be uh, will focus on... Uh, Newer superstars, these storylines, and especially the one with uh, Bray Wyatt, Alexa Bliss, and Randy Orton. We're going to move on to SmackDown, because uh, I think it's easier to uh, like do the same thing with Raw um, that I did. I didn't plan on talking about um, the Christmas Raw and the New Year's Raw in conjunction with each other, but... You know, it just flowed right in perfectly, so I'll, I'll do that with SmackDown. Um, uh, so, uh, and it's a little different with NXT and AEW. Um, I can separate those a little bit better. Um, but uh, I'll just continue talking here with SmackDown. Um, the Christmas SmackDown started with a cage match. Um, Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns for the Universal title. Uh, Kevin was getting a rematch from TLC, uh, the week prior. This was a great finish. Um, Kevin Owens had the match won. Jay came out, handcuffed Kevin Owens to the cage. Kevin couldn't get out of the cage. He, uh, was then, uh, stepped over by Roman Reigns. And Roman walked right out of the cage. Really, really well done. Um, really, uh, really well put together. And then they continued this story on the New Year's edition of Raw with um, Owens and Jay and Roman starting out the show and uh, ending the show. I really thought it was cool at the end that they were fighting on the the Thunderdome set. Nobody had done that before. And then Roman threw Kevin Owens into a table um, off of the Thunderdome set at the end of SmackDown this past week. Really, really good, uh, captivating television. Everything Roman's been doing lately has been awesome. Kevin and, and Kevin Owens and Jay, their match was pretty solid on this past week of uh, SmackDown. Even even the cage match was pretty solid as well. So just really good storytelling here, and uh, it's just uh, very very uh, enjoyable. Um, Going back to the Christmas edition of SmackDown, um, Big E won the Intercontinental title, and that ended the show. And, uh, you know, hopefully this leads to what we've all been waiting for with Big E. Um, for a few years now, I think a lot of us fans have been clamoring for 
Biggie to go on a singles run and to see what he does. Um, I'm not sure what I uh, specifically expect, um, but I think this Intercontinental Championship is a good starting point. He could defend it for a while, you know, maybe carry it through WrestleMania, and then he can move into the upper card and go after um, the WWE Universal title uh, pitcher, uh, the, the Universal Championship, um, I should have said. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, he continues to move on. And uh, this past week on the New Year's edition of SmackDown, Big E, he did the uh, Luke Harper Gator roll uh, in his match, and then he had a promo after, and he used a, a bunch of references um, that referred to uh, Luke Harper, uh, Brody Lee, Big Rig, uh, John Huber. Um, he talked about Rochester. He mentioned uh, Amanda and Nolan, which, you know, Amanda is um, Brody Lee's wife. Nolan's one of Brody Lee's uh, children. He, uh, he didn't mention Brody, um, but I think that's probably because, you know, WWE doesn't own the Brody name. Um, <laughs> so, he, you know, a legality thing. He stayed away from it smartly. He also mentioned the Toronto Maple Leafs and, uh, Brody Lee loved the Toronto Maple Leafs. So it was just really clever, uh, really cute way to, um, do those references to Luke Harper. And if you followed uh, Big E's social media um, after uh, Brody Lee's uh, passing, he just posted a ton of pictures and was just telling stories about his friend Brody Lee and uh, really touching stuff. Really cool that um, he was able to incorporate all these references to, to Brody Lee on uh, SmackDown this past week. Moving to NXT... Christmas edition of NXT, the Gargano Christmas, was awesome. It was hilarious. It was uh, cut in between a few different segments. Johnny Gargano on the piano, it started out with, and then um, it moved to um, all the the way opening uh, their presents. Uh, <laughs> Austin Theory opened up a present, and it was a whey protein, but, but on the label it said Johnny Gargano. Well, it said the Gargano Whey Protein, like Gargano Whey, uh, but it was W-H-E-Y, uh, like Whey Protein, <laughs> the, the type of protein. Uh, and then uh, they'd uh, faked out <laughs> Indy Hartwell with like a PS5, <laughs> and it wasn't a PS5. Johnny said something like, well, actually the PS5 is for me, but we're going to give you the... Uh, uh, we're giving you the the uh, family nickname, and so like and they are like, you're now gonna be known as Indie Wrestling, <laughs> because you know Johnny Wrestling, uh, Candy Wrestling, Candice Wrestling, uh, the wrestling, the Garganos, the wrestling family, uh, Johnny Wrestling. So now she's Indie Wrestling, and Candice said something like, we support Indie Wrestling, and you know Johnny and. Candice were big-time independent wrestlers. Um, so it was just funny. It was just very clever. Um, nothing to mention with the Garganos on um, the uh, New Year's edition of NXT. Um, with Xia Li and Boa, uh, 
on Christmas, I was pretty surprised at their little uh, video package. Um, it was much different than all the other ones. The other ones, they were getting punished and asking to stop. And this one on Christmas, on the Christmas edition, uh, Zaya Lee and Boa were asking for more punishment. So, uh, uh, so it looked like they're turning into warriors. And then now, uh, on the New Year's edition, uh, that story was developed. It looked like they were, uh, you know, uh, uh, given the, the, given the, um, okay to, you know, return back to NXT. The vignette said that Boa and Zaylee are coming to NXT um, this coming week at uh, New Year's Evil, and uh, I look forward to seeing what's happening because uh, hopefully they're bringing the master and whoever the master's master is that long-haired uh, kind of Undertaker, like early '90s Undertaker-esque looking character with the hat and the like robe. Um, Whoever that is, um, I've really enjoyed this Boa and Zaylee story. They've really developed their characters very well in these series of vignettes, and uh, I look forward to seeing them at New Year's Evil. Uh, Mercedes Martinez returned on the Christmas Day edition of, well, not Christmas Day, the Christmas Week edition of NXT. This was a good surprise. I didn't expect it. She came out and attacked... Uh, Zaylee, um, she or no, not Zaylee, Io Shirai, um, and because uh, Io came out and was calling Tony Storm out, Tony Storm didn't come out. Mercedes attacked Io from behind. Uh, Mercedes put Io through the base of the announce table, so she didn't put Io through the announce table like the top of it. She like threw, uh, she threw. EO through the bottom part of the announce table um and I've never seen that before before so that was really cool and really unique um and then Mercedes had a squash match uh on the New Year's edition of uh um NXT so really nothing huge to talk about um from this week but it's good to see Mercedes back she did call out the rest of the women's roster on the New Year's edition, and uh, I think Mercedes would be a great uh, candidate for the women's title on NXT. Um, she's this massive force, um, lots of experience, very credible. Uh, she would be a very credible contender and champion, um, and they could really make a lot of stars uh, facing Mercedes because she is awesome. Um, speaking of women stars, uh, Rhea Ripley and, uh, Raquel Gonzalez on this past week of NXT, the New Year's edition of NXT, they had a little video that was actually good. Now, I usually don't like these videos that NXT does. I usually feel like they're just kind of filler, but this told a good story of their past friendship, um, which helped sell the match and, uh, you know, Rhea talking about how her and Raquel were very good friends and they gravitated towards each other uh, early on when they were in NXT and at the Performance Center. Um, and, uh, you know, now they're going against each other at New Year's Evil. 
They're too um, strong, powerful, these powerhouse superstars. Um, I think this is going to be a pretty interesting match, and that's going to be at New Year's Evil. So they did a real good job of uh, selling that, selling that, uh, selling that match. Um, another um, match that was sold very well was the um, Kyle O'Reilly Finn Balor NXT title match at New Year's Evil. Kyle O'Reilly, oh, on. Uh, well, let me mention the 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 year end awards here first. So the year end awards was uh, actually on NXT this year, which I really enjoyed. I really liked that. I thought it was a good way to use those awards to uh, further along storylines. Usually they're just like on social media and it doesn't really matter whatsoever. Um, uh, or they do like a separate show. I know in years past they did a separate show where um, they would present the award and then like show the match or whatever it was that was voted the winner. This was a good use of the year-end awards. So uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Finn Balor, one match of the year. Finn Balor um, took the the trophy out, the ring bell, the golden ring bell, to the ring, and uh, he presented it to Kyle O'Reilly. And Finn was saying like he doesn't need his because his trophy is the NXT title. Um, and then Kyle came out and did a really great promo. It was very passionate. He was talking about how like for 15 years he's been overlooked, and that he's he's gonna show that now is his time and that. He's going to win the NXT Championship. Now, um, him winning the NXT title, I think uh, I, I'll be fine with it. I'd prefer if Finn kept it. But then, of course, there is the wild card of Karrion Cross. Uh, I think it's pretty inevitable that Cross is going to get the NXT title back uh, probably within this year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with the title. But uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Finn did a good job of selling their NXT title match coming up on New Year's Evil. Um, something that NXT really does well is they they make the cruiserweights actually mean something. Escobar, Santos, uh, Santos Escobar. Is it Santos Escobar or Escobar or Santos? It's Santos Escobar, I believe. I haven't gotten that right since he started. i got to pay more attention to that. Whatever. I really enjoyed his work. Uh, he had a solid promo. And then Lince Dorado and Grand Metalik uh, showed up on NXT, and they felt like stars more than they ever have. They've been on Raw chasing the uh, the twenty four seven title and not really doing anything. I mean, they had a little bit of uh, storyline going after the titles, the the tag titles, but other than that, they really haven't done anything. There was something going on with Kalisto, but, like, I don't think they really paid that off with the Lucha House Party. So, I hope Lince Dorado and Grand Metal League are on NXT to stay for a while, um, because they just are bigger stars on NXT. They're, they're, they mean something on NXT. And, uh, uh, the Cruiserweight title is actually interesting with, uh, uh, with Santos, uh, you know, carrying it and with his faction. Um, so I, I really like what they've been doing and when I usually don't like any cruiserweight title stuff. Um, oh, you know what I did? I forgot to mention. I said that uh, there was no no further uh, things that really happened on 
the New Year's edition of NXT that uh, the the way did the Gargano uh, faction uh, did. But there was there's one last thing I didn't see this on my notes. I didn't scroll down enough. Um, Johnny Gargano broke the curse. He beat Leon Ruff. He retained a title for the first time ever. Uh, that you know. Um, that's a good thing. And he was doing all these things that were bad luck. He saw a black cat. He walked underneath, he broke a mirror. He walked underneath a ladder. All that stuff was funny. Um, so I'm glad they ended the show with Johnny breaking the curse and retaining his North American title. And I saved the best for last AEW Dynamite. And I don't mean that as in like the best company. Overall, I mean the best shows. Um, actually, in, just in particular, the best show of the week. Maybe the best show of 2020. I mean, I, I really came out of um, that New Year's edition of of, um, of AEW Dynamite thinking like that was literally the best show I've seen this year. Um, but before that, we got to talk about the Christmas edition of... AEW Dynamite uh, during Christmas week. Um, the Acclaim did a rap video about the Young Bucks. I really liked this. It's a unique promo presentation for them. Like, yeah, John Cena sort of did something similar rap into the ring in the mid-2000s. Um, but, you know, it hasn't been really seen since. It's something different. And uh, they even came out on the... Uh, on the New Year's edition of uh, of um, Dynamite, but they just got they just got beat up. Um, let's see. Uh, I liked uh, the cleverness of um, the way AEW used the Kip Sabian Penelope Ford wedding date to announce Beach Bat or Beach Bat? No, Beach Break. Uh, well, I was going to like, Bash at the Beach. Um, I think AEW owns Bash at the Beach, so... Why didn't they just do Bash at the Beach? I don't know, the Beach Break. Um, it was, like, February 4th or something like that. It's in February. So they did a two-in-one announcement. They announced Beach Break and they announced the wedding date. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, wrestling wedding, what could go wrong. And something AEW does uh, that I usually don't like are these short videos segments. Um, much like NXT, I just feel like they're kind of filler. But on the Christmas week edition of AEW Dynamite, they had a couple that were good. They had the Sean Spears interview um, where Spears is basically just like, you know, I'm not just going to be the same thing that I was in the previous company. I can see it happening. Um, I don't need this glove. I don't need... Uh, any of this stuff, I'm gonna go and prove and show that I'm a superstar. Um, and I really liked it. And then there was MJF offering his condolences to Santana, and MJF talking about a family member that passed, and, uh, this seemed to build a nice bond between Santana and Ortiz and MJF, and, uh, strengthen the inner circle. So that was really well done by, uh, both of them. Now moving to the main show I really wanted to talk about um, uh, on this podcast. Uh, and it, you know, it took me a while to get there. But the Brody Lee tribute 
um, on the New Year's Week edition of AEW Dynamite was incredible. It was an incredible show. Um, you know, I, I, I came out of that show saying that was the best show all year. Like, hands down, easily the best show of 2020. Um, of any wrestling show, like, um, at least weekly television show. I think, you know, Royal Rumble was probably the best overall show, pay-per-view, whatever you want to call it, but it's the best just weekly episodic television show. That Brody Lee tribute was awesome because they did all of this Brody Lee tribute and they continued stories. They even told stories, um, that furthered along those storylines for the next weeks when it wasn't really even, you know, it wasn't even a show. It was a tribute show. It wasn't so, uh, going into it as a fan, I knew, like, really, stories are probably not going to be furthered. It's just going to be this tribute show. Um, and, uh, you know, the Dark Order was in every single match, and it's just going to be... This this tribute to Brody Lee, and uh, you know it it's not going to be a throwaway show, but it's also not going to further any storylines. AEW did further a couple of storylines, like they had friction between Matt Hardy and Private Party during the opening match, where Matt wanted to use a chair. Mark Quinn didn't, uh, Bar yeah, Mark Quinn didn't let him do that. He didn't let that happen. So that's, you know, a story that's been developing in AEW um, before all of the passing with uh, Brody Lee and the pivot that AEW had to do. Because AEW originally was scheduled for New Year's Smash, a night one and night two, which they are doing in the coming weeks. Um, but this tribute show with Brody Lee, uh, you know, threw a wrench in all of that, but they still used the time they had to further a story. Of course I loved all of the Brody tributes, you know. Um, the, the Moxley and um, Eddie Kingston and Bryce Remsburg and Jericho and, and uh, Darby Allen and uh, I think Sammy Guevara had one. Just all, everybody who who did the, the, um, the video promo, whatever you want to call it, um, saying kind words about Brody Lee were awesome. Uh, but the little subtle things were really, really cool too. There was, um, Brody Lee Jr., Brody Lee's son, who's, uh, eight years old, I believe. Uh, he, you know, he was given the minus one, uh, the, the moniker of minus one. Um, you know, Brody Lee was the exalted one. Uh, you have Evil Uno's one, Stu Grayson who's two, uh, Alex Reynolds three, John Silver four. You have five Alan Angels. You got ninety nine Anna J. You got Cole Cabana doesn't have a number, uh, which is kind of weird, but <laughs> whatever. Um, and then you have ten uh, Preston Vance. Um, so you know all these Dark Order members have numbers, um, and Brody Lee Jr.'s minus one. Um, and he was dressed up in a suit just like his dad, Brody Lee, and that was really, really cool. Lance Archer dressed up as, uh, Brody Lee's, uh, old, uh, in Brody Lee's old ring attire in the tank top, the jeans, 
and uh, the bandanas around his wrists. So, you know, he looked like Luke Harper. If you, uh, uh, Luke Harper's look, that's what he looked like. But uh, Brody Lee was wrestling. He looked like that was what he looked like on the independence before he went to WWE. But, you know, on a global scale, he looked like uh, Luke Harper. Um, Stu, Stu Grayson in his match, he uh, did a slam and then did the gesture like uh, Brody does. Um, you know, the, like, hands to the mouth and lips and then out, pushing out with his hands. Um, John Silver wore basically Brody Lee's ring gear, except for it was made for John Silver, um, which apparently Brody Lee paid for. Um, it was just supposed to be for a BTE bit, and, uh, it looked exactly like Brody Lee's ring gear, and, uh, when, uh, Silver came out and Alex Reynolds came out, they had papers in their um, in their uh, uh, their uh, trunks, and they pulled out the papers and threw the the papers at uh, their opponents, um, which has been a you know bit on BTE. Um, so that was a cool little uh, nuance reference. Um, John Silver won with the discus clothesline in that match, which was Brody Lee's finisher. Um, you know, the spinning clothesline. Um, Britt Baker doing a promo, talking about how everything's rigged, and then ended with, you know, the whole thing is a big rig, which was one of uh, Brody Lee's nicknames, and she gave a wink. And then uh, 10 in the main event, uh, one with uh, uh, Brody Bomb. Um, so uh, that was a move that uh, Brody used uh, as Luke Harper, as Brody Lee, and just really, really awesome. All of the, all of the Dark Order stuff was really, really cool. You know, the Dark Order, they're bad guys. They come out of the bad guy, um, <laughs> of the bad guy entrance <laughs> on the stage. But they all wrestled as good guys, and that was fun to watch. You know, them firing up and, uh, you know, being these baby faces. It's just something different. You don't get to see it, and. You know they're not. They're probably not going to be good guys. Uh, maybe they will for the the short term future, because of Brody Lee's passing. But um, I think it would be great if the Dark Order stays together and then go, goes on this rampage in uh, tribute to Brody Lee. Um, Eric Rowan came out, um, and that was really cool. He makes his debut with AEW. Whether he'll be there or not. Um, for the long term, I don't know, but it was really, really cool to see him. Um, minus one, Brody Lee Jr. hit MJF with a kendo stick, and, uh, that led to the end of that match. Um, and then the end of the show was just really touching. Um, Tony Khan came out. After uh, the main event uh, with Cody Rhodes and Orange Cassidy and 10, um, which are all of uh, Brody Lee Jr.'s minus one's uh, favorite uh, wrestlers on AEW. And uh, the whole family came out. Uh, well, not the whole family. Uh, Nolan wasn't because uh, Nolan's pretty young. But Amanda was there. Brody Lee Jr. was there. Um and uh, he had the mask back on because uh, what led to MJF getting hit with the kendo stick by Brody Lee Jr. was MJF pulled the mask off of Brody Lee. And Brody Lee looked like he was so excited to be involved in this 
this moment with MJF that he had this his mask taken off, the Dark Order mask taken off, and then he hit Brody Lee or he hit MJF with the kendo stick, and you could just see his smile, uh, huge smile on his face. You know, just days after his dad passed away, and uh, that that was really special to see. Um, so then in the in the main event of the show, um, Brody Brody Lee still had the uh, he put the he had the Dark Order mask back on, and um, Amanda. And uh, Brody Jr. placed Brody Lee's boots in the middle of the ring, which is a typical signal of uh, the wrestlers retiring. Um, and then Preston Vance put a handkerchief, uh, bandana, whatever you want to call it, on top of the boots. And, um, you know, that was a symbol, very synonymous. Uh, that clothing item very synonymous with Brody Lee, who Lou Carper. It was a purple one, you know. It matched the Dark Order, and um, then Tony Khan gave Brody Lee Jr. the TNT title, and uh, named Brody Lee Jr. the TNT uh, champion forever. Um, and uh, apparently, that title belt, um, which is. Uh, a story that Brody uh, Brody Lee told on AEW Restricted a couple months ago about how when he won the title, uh, he brought it home and uh, Brody Jr. loved wearing the title and playing with the title. Um, you know, the red one with the gold, um, the, the gold um, circle with the TNT logo on it. Um, and so after he after Brody Lee lost it, he said, you know, that's <laughs> that's the biggest thing that Brody Jr. was disappointed about that he didn't have the, the title to play with anymore. So Tony Khan gave him that, gave Brody Lee Jr. Um, that specific title, and apparently um, in tribute to Brody Lee, that title is being retired. It's being um, uh, not replaced, but uh, a, a new TNT title is being made and will be presented to Darby Allen. And that specific iteration of the TNT title design will forever be uh, Brody Lee Jr.'s. And uh, you know what a what a fitting end to the show. Just a perfect way to uh, uh, bring an end to the whole tribute. And then Tony Khan introduced uh, a tribute video of Brody Lee, and that was awesome, man. That was the that was the cherry on top of everything, and it had it, it wasn't just like AEW highlights. It was pictures from social media, like Seth Rollins was there, Big E was on it, um, a bunch of WWE guys. So it wasn't just like AEW specific it was really just like the wrestling world tributing Brody Lee and it was awesome it was um such a good way to end such a good show um and easily the best show of the week and in my opinion the best show of 2020 but now I gotta move on to more negative and uh, talk about what I didn't like 
from the Christmas and New Year's editions of Raw and SmackDown and NXT and AEW Dynamite. And I'm going to do that in the Drew count. Has he got the fingers locked? No, he got out. I can't believe it. Nobody's ever kicked out of that. I might as well continue talking about AEW uh, while I'm on that uh, topic. Um, and uh, for two straight weeks, both on the Christmas edition and the New Year's edition of AEW Dynamite, nothing really happened with Sting, Darby Allen, Cody Rhodes, and Team Taz. It's just kind of the same thing every single week. And, and I made note of it on, on both of the shows. Team Taz comes out for a beatdown, and then, you know, Sting comes out, and that's it. Yeah, it's the same thing over and over and over with, um, you know, they got to do something a little different. It's been like four weeks this way now that the same thing has happened. Um, the same thing's going on with um, Eddie Kingston and Lance Archer and Pac and, and their whatever's going on with them and gang. Um, they're just kind of doing the same thing every week. Uh, a beat down and then a runaway, you know, whatever. Um I did notice on the Christmas edition, and this is kind of a nitpicky thing, but two people went through the ringside bell table um, at, uh, uh, you know, where Justin Roberts sits, basically. Um, it was broken by Chris Jericho in the early on in the show, and then, you know, they must have gotten another table, and then it was uh, broken by Bowen. So for me, that's just a continuity thing. It's like when the announce tables on uh, uh, WWE are broken in one segment, and then like two segments later, it's back up. Like, keep it for continuity reasons broken. Um, those are really the only things I had to talk about for AEW. I really actually, you know, I mentioned uh, in the introduction to the show that usually these... Uh, uh, Christmas editions and New Year's editions of uh, wrestling are really worthless. They're not. They 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 don't really further any storylines at all. Like remember when Alberto Del Rio hit Santa and he was a good guy? That didn't make any sense. Um, usually that type of stuff is what happens. But uh, no, these couple of weeks actually had things happen. Like on Raw, Charlotte Flair showed up. Which, I guess we're just not going to acknowledge that she was drafted to SmackDown? Like, yeah, she's the Raw Tag Team... Or, not the Raw. She's the Women's Tag Team Champion, so they can float from show to show to show. And that's how they get around it. I wonder what's going to happen when they eventually lose the titles. I mean, it seems like this Asuka-Charlotte story is probably going to lead to a WrestleMania match. Which, yeah, they've... Also already fought at WrestleMania, um, was it 33? 33 or 34, when uh, Charlotte broke um, Asuka's winning streak, um, that match at WrestleMania, when Asuka tapped out, which, you know, whatever, didn't make much sense, but <laughs> whatever, that's a different story. Um, but Charlotte was drafted to SmackDown, and, um, and then she just showed up on Raw. She did show up on SmackDown, too, um this week, and I'll, I'll talk about that in just a second, because I also have that segment from SmackDown on my notes here. Um, but we got to stick with this Christmas edition of Raw, because we're talking about Raw. Um, some dude 
that the Hurt Business beat up backstage, which they've been doing and I've been enjoying. He was wearing a t-shirt under a t-shirt, though. It was weird looking. Like, uh, I can't remember. What the heck was he wearing now? Uh, now that it's two weeks uh, past that uh, past this episode, I can't remember what he was wearing, but he was wearing, like, a t-shirt, but then he was wearing, like, another wrestler's t-shirt on top of that t-shirt. Like, dude, why are you wearing two t-shirts? It's weird. Um, <laughs> those are the only things I had to talk about with Raw. And, and really, the New Year's edition of Raw, um, I didn't have anything to complain about. The, the only thing I put in my notes is there was no Luke Harper tribute. Like, there wasn't even a video package. Um, I thought that was a little bit of a bummer, but, you know, the tribute that AEW did was so incredible that it's like, eh, well, AEW kind of made up for what they didn't do on Raw. Um, but I still, I think they could have done a, a video uh, on the segment. I know he worked uh, last for a competitor, but, like, come on, man. He he only just left, left your company at the beginning of 2020, so, you know... You did the graphic uh, tribute at the beginning of the show, and that was good, but no 10-bell salute, nothing like that. Like, obviously, the social media outpouring from a lot of your employees and people who were impacted by uh, Brody Lee, Luke Harper, when he was in a WWE, um, showed how much this guy meant to the company, and you didn't do anything. It's kind of a bummer. Um, moving to... NXT, uh, Christmas edition of NXT, the matches were not very captivating. Um, there were, the, the main event was Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream. There were so many super kicks in this match, like, just a ton of super kicks. And I know super kicks are the cool thing to do, and they're in, and, um, that just, everybody does them, and they're, uh, they happen in every single match, but this, they were, like, a lot of super kicks. Lots and lots of super kicks. And, like, I watch AEW Dynamite and the Young Bucks do a lot of super kicks, but this was a lot of super kicks. Velveteen Dream was doing super kicks, and so was Adam Cole. It just, it was too much for me. Um, so, I, I made note of it. And then, uh, this week on, uh, uh, the NXT, or on the New Year's edition of, uh, NXT, with the year end awards, uh, they would show a video package uh, with whoever the winner was. Um, and to me, this was filler. Like, they had uh, the whoever won the award give some sort of speech um, after the video. So it's like, why did you do both? It just seemed like filler to me. You could have just done the speeches. That would have been fine enough. These speeches were already pre-taped anyway. So, like there was no need to waste time with the video montage and then the speech. Um, yeah, I just did not, uh, I did not really understand why that was done. And then there's SmackDown. Um, Daniel Bryan on the Christmas edition of, uh, SmackDown, um, announced he was entering the Royal Rumble. He was the first person to announce he was entering the Royal Rumble and either rumbles uh this for me just kind of a nitpicky thing uh expectation thing i wish he would have just entered the match um 
and uh, you know, I'm hoping Daniel Bryan wins the Royal Rumble. Um, I think it would have been better if he kind of just stayed away from it and didn't mention anything and just was a surprise entrant and then he wins the Royal Rumble um, instead of announcing it. That's just like a personal thing for me. Now, yeah, they can build to build the story of Brian entering the Royal Rumble and maybe he'll enter like number one and win it. But with them hyping that he's going to be in the Rumble, to me, it seems like he's not going to win it then. Uh, maybe that's me being cynical uh, or just being negative. I hope he wins it. I think this is the year for him to win it. I mean, who else do they have to win it that hasn't already won it before? With The way Roman is, um, the way the WWE title and the Money in the Bank briefcase. Uh, I mean, if Ryan wins the Royal Rumble, there's multiple ways that uh, this can go for him main eventing WrestleMania. He's the ultimate underdog story against, you know, Roman Reigns and the Tribal Chief. Or it's, uh, you know, Miz cashes in on Drew McIntyre, wins the WWE title, and then it's Brian versus Miz at WrestleMania, something that's 10 years in the making at this point. That would be awesome. Because we re- really, d- we didn't really get a, a, a finale to... Um, Brian versus Miz uh, a few years ago. Miz beat him with Maurice's help at SummerSlam, and then, yeah, Bree and Brian won a tag match, but Brian never won a singles match against Miz on uh, the feud and kind of just got dropped. So I was hoping Brian would just enter the Royal Rumble by surprise and win it, but, you know, maybe with him announcing it and them hyping it. Um, maybe there'll be some sort of story that he enters very early and goes the distance and wins it. Um, also on that Christmas edition of SmackDown, I didn't really like the women's promo segment. Everyone came out, they gave their one cliche line, and then that was it. It was Charlotte and Asuka and Carmella and Sasha and Bailey and Bianca Belair. and They all just came out, said their little... One catchphrase, and then uh, that was it. The match they had was solid. I mean, they got a lot of time. They had a good match. Um, But just that weird promo segment seemed like a waste of time. Speaking of women, uh, on the next week, the New Year's edition of SmackDown, Sonya Deville all of a sudden showed up. She was walking backstage. Wasn't heard from again. Um, She lost at uh, SummerSlam. Um, to, uh, you know, get fired from WWE or, um, lose or leaves WWE match, um, against Mandy Rose. Mandy really hasn't done much since then either. I mean, she's been on TV, but, uh, I mean, she's got the stuff going on with, uh, Dana Brooke, but they haven't <laughs> done anything with Otis with her. They kind of just dropped that. Um, but Sonya, she just... Showed up. There was no explanation to why she was reinstated. They said, oh, Sonya De- De- Deville's been reinstated. And then it's just like, uh, okay, well, I hope this gets explained. <laughs> so this is a, uh, you know, to be determined. But at this point, I didn't really like it. Other than that, everything else on SmackDown this past uh, New Year's edition, New Year's uh, Day edition was uh, was fine. Um, let's move on to 
my overall ratings and impressions of the shows in this week of wrestling in the redrew. In this edition of the redrew, I am doing uh, holiday uh, renditions of uh, my reviews and overall impressions and ratings of the shows this week in wrestling. Uh, If you've been listening to previous episodes, you know I don't do the typical star rating or letter grade rating, number grade rating, no thumbs, uh, down, up in the middle, whatever, none of that stuff. I give my own specific rating. This week, I'm doing it uh, holiday-centric, uh, holiday-themed. So, for the Christmas uh, week editions of uh, the shows, I am giving Christmas edition reviews. And for the New Year's editions uh, for that week, I'm giving New Year's um New Year's-centric reviews. So starting out with the Christmas week, Monday Night Raw, it was the Raw right after TLC. It was okay, nothing really special. It was kind of just bland. So I gave, I am giving that Raw the rating of a sugar cookie. So I'm not really a big fan of sugar cookies, but sugar cookies are huge during the uh, holiday season. And so uh, that's what Raw gets. It was a sugar cookie. It was fine. You know, it's all right every once in a while. A little frosting on it. Eh, it's okay. Kind of bland. Um, NXT, the Christmas week edition of NXT, uh, I'm giving the rating of a stocking suffer. It was uh, pretty cool, pretty sweet, nice little surprise in there. Um and uh, not really too much to complain about because, you know, stockings, in your stockings, you get some candy and then maybe you get a, a nice little gift in there. You wasn't really you weren't really expecting um, nothing to complain about. Just like kind of extra bonus kind of added. Um, and it's just like, oh, OK, cool. I'll take it. As for AEW Dynamite on uh, Christmas week. Uh, I am giving AEW Dynamite the rating of a Christmas movie. There's tons of them. There's Hallmark ones. There's Netflix ones. Um, Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Uh, Most of them are pretty enjoyable, no matter how corny or hokey they are. Um, And that's what uh, that uh, AEW Dynamite was. There was some good in it, some bad in it. It was pretty enjoyable um, and uh, solid overall. As for SmackDown on Christmas... This wasn't the typical throwaway show. Uh, they actually, the, uh, WWE actually got some good out of it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so I'm giving the Christmas Day uh, SmackDown um, review of a gift card. Because, you know, a gift card, it's a decent gift you know it's not a throwaway gift it's not something somebody gets you and you're just like what am i gonna do with this you know you'll use it you'll get some good use out of it but it's not like super personal uh personal touching emotional either of a gift it's you know it's just like oh here's a gift card i didn't know what to get you got you a gift card here you go um 
So it's useful. It's not something you throw away, but, you know, not something that's totally awesome either. Um, as for the New Year's editions of uh, the week of wrestling, the New Year's Raw, New Year's Week Raw, um, I'm giving the rating of that Raw as a dinner reservation. A lot of people get dinner reservations on New Year's. Uh, it's a pretty good experience. Really nothing bad. Usually, hopefully, that's how uh, the reservation goes for you. Um, uh, I've gotten dinner reservations in the past on New Year's. They've always been uh, good experiences. Nothing really bad has happened. And so that's what this Raw was. You know, nothing really bad happened. Um, it was a pretty solid watching experience. It's a solid dinner reservation. As for uh, NXT... Uh, actually, no. Let's go with uh, let's go with SmackDown because I, I kind of want to go in a reverse order uh, from here on. Uh, SmackDown was uh, pretty uneventful. Not much pomp and circumstance. Uh, nothing really felt like it moved forward or changed, and so that's why I'm giving uh, SmackDown. On New Year's, uh, this past week, the rating of a stay in New Year's or a stay in New Year's Eve. Um, nothing really seems like it moves forward. You know, sometimes when it's New Year's, you go out, you have a great time, you, you're with a bunch of people, a bunch of friends, a bunch of loved ones, uh, you have a big party, and it's, you know, midnight strikes, and everybody celebrates, and it feels like you know, changes in the air and something's happened. Um, but for stay in New Year's, you know, that's not necessarily how it really feels. It's just kind of like, you know, another late night and um, the clock strikes midnight. You say Happy New Year, but it's like, eh, you know, nothing really changed. It doesn't feel much different. I don't feel much different because, you know, I'm just lounging at home. I love a good uh, stay in New Year's, though, so don't get me wrong. It's it's not a bad thing. This is pretty solid, but, you know, it's just uneventful. It's not much pop and circumstance. You stay in on New Year's Eve, you might have fallen asleep at 10. You didn't even see the you didn't even see the ball drop. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, nothing really changed for you. Um, so there is that. NXT this week uh, was a fine show. It was actually a good show. Really, it was. Um, but this week, unfortunately, NXT went against a really incredible AEW Dynamite show with the Brody Lee tribute. So, I'm giving NXT this past New Year's edition, uh, the rating of anything other than Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve. I love watching Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve. I think all of the other specials are rip-offs, and they're not as good. I know, like, Fox has one. I think this year it was called, like, uh, the Roast and Toast or something like that. Um, NBC has one, and it's just like, nothing's as good as Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve, man. It's just not. I'm sure they're fine shows. I'm sure they're good shows. I really do. But it's just not as good as what it goes against. And uh, and this week, you know, NXT, it, it went against Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve, a show of that caliber. Um, and that show was AEW Dynamite. It was the Brody Lee tribute. And the it was a perfect 
emotional celebration of the life and career of Brody Lee. And for that uh, reason, this week's AEW Dynamite, I'm giving the rating of a toast. Because that's what it was. It was a toast to Brody Lee. It was a toast to him as a performer, a wrestler, a professional, and as a father and a husband and a family man and just overall human being, um, just in total. It was a perfect toast to who he was. It was emotional, very cathartic, and just a really incredible tribute. Um, the standard for wrestling tribute shows now, in my opinion, just a really incredible, um, perfect show. I, I don't think it could have been any better. You could see the emotion on a lot of the people's faces and um, just a really, really great show. So uh, toast to Brody Lee tribute for AEW Dynamite. That's going to end this week's DWO pod. I hope you had a happy holiday. Um... Uh, happy Kwanzaa, happy Boxing Day, happy Hanukkah, happy Festivus, Merry Christmas, happy Christmas, um, whatever you celebrate. Uh, I hope you had and are having a happy new year and that this new year has brought you a new sense of opportunity and change and hopefully things are changing uh, for us in the world and uh, this whole pandemic that's lasted a lot longer than I think any of us has has expected uh, has gone on. There's a, uh, where I am in the United States, there are vaccines coming in, and I, I've seen people on social media that I know personally who are getting the vaccine. Um, they're mostly healthcare workers, so hopefully we are at the uh, uh, final stretch of this. We're at the home stretch of all of this. And I hope 2021 brings everybody uh, the yeah, the um, expectations that they hope and um, the grace and uh, blessings that they all uh, strive for and hope for. Um, and I hope uh, personally for this podcast, uh, this podcast grows a lot in 2021. Um, I would appreciate if you spread the word about it. We're on all podcasting platforms, so uh, whomever you tell, just let them know to search Drew World Order Podcasts, search for the DWO logo that looks like the NWO logo, and uh, they should be able to find us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, just about wherever you find podcasts. Uh, if you want to interact with the show, um, and I really do want to build... A community, I, a few people have reached out, and I thank you for doing that. Um, you can reach out uh, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. The handle is at DWOPod. Or if you're more formal, you can send an email uh, to DWOPod at gmail.com. Um, however you want to interact with the show, I'd really appreciate that. Give the show a like on social media, a follow on social media. Subscribe to the show, share the show, retweet the show, leave me a comment, send in a review, rate, uh, rate, 
subscribe, review. What is it? Rate, review, and subscribe? Yeah, rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, that's what all the podcasters say. Uh, see, I told you, this is the least professional podcast. Uh, least professional wrestling podcast. So just, you know, it's just a wrestling van talking wrestling. Um, if you want to further support the show, you can click on their click on the Anchor page um, and uh, put in whatever you want to put in there. And whatever you put in there, I'll put right back into the podcast. But if all you're doing is listening, I really appreciate that. Thank you for going on this journey. We're approaching one year doing this podcast very soon. Uh, I started this podcast in 2020, so all the lousy things that happened in 2020, I think this is one thing that has brought me joy and uh, uh, happiness, and I hope it's brought the same to you, and I hope your listening experience was Drew Sweet.